This is Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World and the new book, Changeability, a work of nonfiction exploring how to navigate change with more effectiveness and ease. How do you find courage? How do you become more effective in navigating change? Find out when you join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, Season 2. In Season 1, I spoke with a number of fascinating change makers and change writers, not only about the incredible work they are doing in the world, but also about how they do it. How is it that they are so brave or so resourceful, so helpful or remain so hopeful in the face of disappointing setbacks? Their wise answers to me became part of a new book, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change, and inspired me to deeply contemplate the very nature of change and how to best meet change in this fast, ever-changing world. In the book, I identify seven principles for change, whether initiating change, inspiring change, or or adapting to existing change. These principles are interdependent and are all present in how we navigate the personal and public changes of our lives. So what I want to do now is go back and engage the very guests that inspired my thinking about change, to go back to them and deepen our discussion about these principles in Passing for Normal, the Changeability series. Bring awareness is where every journey of change begins. Bring awareness is the first principle on the wheel of change because it's through our awareness that we come to know that it's time for a change or it informs us about the nature of change that is already taking place. Awareness can arrive in many forms, perception, emotion, information, and sensation. And it is the awareness that comes through sensation that's going to be the focus of our discussion today with my guests Jacques Verdun and Robert Littman. Welcome again. Thank you, Sharon. Hi, I'm so happy to be in this conversation with the both of you. Um, So first, I want to just tell our listeners a little bit about each one of you. Jacques Verdun is a somatic psychologist and the founder and director of Inside Out, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to turn violence and suffering into opportunities for healing and learning for prisoners and challenged youth. Jacques has been a highly recognized leader and innovator in the field of rehabilitation for prisoners since 1997 and is an expert on violence prevention, emotional intelligence, restorative justice, and mindfulness. His pioneering program, Guiding Rage into Power or GRIP, is a deeply transformational program for inmates that begins with self-awareness. Robert Littman, for over 28 years, has guided clients and students in the use of movement, breath, and sound as tools for personal growth, restoring healthy breathing rhythms, structural alignment, and efficient body mechanics. He is the founder of The Breathable Body. Robert teaches within the somatics practices of Buteco Breathing Method, Continuum, and the Dugan French Approach to Somatic Pattern Recognition and he's taught in departments of anatomy, physiology, and movement education, 
all to bring greater awareness to this process we call the body and what is possible for thriving in full health. So I'm so grateful to you for your initial podcast conversations that we had that inspired, um, you know, how we are talking about change in this book, Changeability. And so I wanted to be in conversation with the both of you because both of you use sensation as, as your beginning. You take your work in very different directions, but you use sensation as an awareness, as a way to bring awareness and as, um, as the very beginning. So could both of you just talk about what we mean by awareness and what we mean by sensation? Well, uh, language is important, right? Because it hints at meaning in different ways. So the, the, the verb that is, seems married to awareness is bringing awareness to and in, in in a sense, it's it's problematic because it paints a dualistic picture, right? Here's here's me, this person, and there's my awareness, and now I'm bringing this awareness to whatever the object of that awareness is. And I think you know, b- becoming aware of sensations uh, is is really perhaps more an opening to than a bringing an activity to an object, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So, like, opening to awareness, softening into it, creates a different feeling quality with your very experience. And the reason we're so um, interested in sensation as, a, as the primacy of our experience in, in the program is because it it seems to encompass the real uh, ground of, of of the experience itself. We have um, uh, we work with flashcards to try to uh, write down some principles that we want to uh, study. And one of our cards is Sita, uh, and S E T A which relates to sensations, emotions, thoughts, and actions. And what we've noticed in our studies, in studying emotional intelligence and, and mindfulness, is that um, if we f- foremost and first bring our awareness or open to our awareness um, of sensation, there is something encompassing that happens that that begins to kind of harmonize the flow of traffic between the the thoughts and the emotions because it's not qualified yet it's not justified it's not explained it just is mm-hmm. and being human beings you know with memories and and conditioning we tend to attach meaning to our felt sense experience rather quickly in ways that that uh, tend to be limiting more than uh, than opening and and widening. So maybe that's that's a way to start the conversation. Yeah, and I can pick. Yeah, and I can pick up on that a little bit. I really appreciate the part about putting meaning to things really quickly, and I completely value intellect 
And I know that many times, for many of us, we get caught in a thought pattern that loops over and over again, and we try to figure out something. And becoming aware of sensation helps us change that channel so that we're now a little more body-centered and that thought pattern, that loop, kind of goes to the background and gives us an opportunity to widen the scope of what's possible for us to notice. And in breathing and in paying attention to breathing, breathing is one of the primary ways that our body receives sensation because breath is always moving in and out and causing movement in the body, which then produces sensation. So turning our attention to the movement of breath enables us to then completely um, tune into the sensations that are being produced. So I highly value that in terms of being able to move away from a thought pattern that's keeping me stuck from moving forward in anything that I might want to be doing, any other new possibilities that may come about. Yeah, nice, nicely put. There's, there seems to be kind of an awe that mm. occurs when we uh, connect to the primacy of our experience as it's expressed in breath and sensations accompanying breath. And, um, you know, there's, there's a thought that I've had that, you know, every opinion and every belief maybe even our most cherished thoughts, are really reflections of how tension and contractions are held in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we have, we, in our culture, we sort of have it the other way around. Right? Mm-hmm. But uh, You know, from my perspective, too, on the physiology of breathing, one of the ways that we talk about, you know, we know a lot about people having symptoms of asthma and allergies and pneumonia or you know other other breathing and lung related um trouble with that comes about from breathing right. but in the paradigm that I teach with breath the thought patterns are also reflective of difficulty with breathing the nervous system itself doesn't have a thing like the lung that it can then congest so the the nervous system and the brain begin to send up exacerbated thinking patterns that are reflective of a disrupted breathing pattern. I think the right. same you do, Jacques. Yeah. Right. So you're right. saying you're saying that the breathing or the disruption to breathing is what comes first, not the thought. Right. Many can, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of heresy, right? Because what what if even our most sacred convictions, the ones we hold close to our heart are actually just movements of nerves and muscles, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Patterns of holding energy that make us, up takes, make us take up certain beliefs in life. Yeah, and, you know, from, a, from a, another perspective, a lot of conversations happens in the culture right now around stress-related breathing and fight or flight or people not in the ability right. to be able to rest inside of themselves. How we use our breath is a trigger to the nervous system to either trigger fight or flight or to trigger the body to rest. And so I always use the example in my classes that if a bear walked in your front door, the first thing you do would be to gasp. And that movement of breath through the mouth is a trigger to the nervous system that it needs to get onto alert. Right. And so learning how to moderate the breath and use the what is what I say in my classes is the nose is for breathing and the mouth is for eating. You breathe through your mouth as often as you eat through your nose. It's a funny kind of thing, but it does make a point 
because mouth breathing will then trigger the fight or flight and create a muscle tension that doesn't allow much movement for thought other than a very small perspective to focus on what's happening right now. Right. I, yeah, like, no, I, like the, um, I like the word notice that came up, you know, mm-hmm. instead of bringing awareness to notice. Because we right. also, you know, we can notice with our eyes, we can notice with our, um, uh, you know, ears, and we can notice with all of our senses to notice what is going on either outside of us or inside of us. And, um, you know, in terms of... of um, having a a breathing pattern or having a body that's always on alert that affects how we notice things right i mean it affects how we can perceive it's coloring our perception and in terms of our response to change because this is you know we're in this large conversation about change it actually colors how we perceive change right or how we can respond to it most 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 definitely right it's it's a very deep connection it's you know it's really a connection to spirit right we were chatting a little bit before we had the conversation and you know i'm kind of fond of looking at the words inspiration and expiration as spirit or breath entering the body and then spirit or breath passing through and then awareness sitting in the portal of those two movements and simply noticing those movements so that uh, you become aware of how the spirit enters and passes through. And that very experience orients us and and wisens us because it doesn't come pre-qualified. You know, we we haven't attached meaning to it yet. And so that's awesome in the true sense of the word, you know, like, like, you know, gasping uh, when you see a bear enter the room, right? There, There is that immediate connection with something greater, definitely with a big bear coming in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one of the, what, you know, I like what you said earlier about muscles and the nervous system, because in that moment when a bear or something that we feel is frightening to us, whether it's a thought or an image or a, or, a, or an action that's being taken, the posture of that is to tense the body. Yeah. Um, it's uh, just like freeze or a lockdown. It's to tense completely. And one of the things that happens in vision in that moment is it gets very pointed and directed. You lose the wider scope. So in trying to cope with change or any choices, you need the wider scope. So being in a place where the bustles are tense and the nervous system is on alert doesn't give you many options. You don't want many options. You want to be able to either get away or survive in that moment. Those are the only two options. Right. When you're in that fear state. Yes. Right. And so, um, right, and it, 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 um, it limits your choices and it limits your perceptions. And um, so here's where, you know, I'm really interested in the two of you having a conversation with each other because, you know, Robert, you're describing a, a lockdown situation that happens within the body itself. And Jacques, you are working with a population of mm-hmm. people who are, are, are locked out, locked up, and sometimes 
what they refer to as locked down, but their environment is a lock. And yet you are working with the program. Yeah. You're working with the program that's helping to open up their perceptions and their awareness within this environment that is locked down. Right. No, if you, if you look at the operative verb with prison, it's, it's held, right? You're held in prison. Mm-hmm. And there's holding cells. And so it infers that um, the way you held yourself, the way you had your little container organized, didn't work. Your anguish spilled out, and you got arrested for, for the way you reacted. So it also infers that, you know, what's needed is to build a container, a way to hold yourself that, that works and doesn't get you arrested or hurts other people. And so, you know, there is two parts to that. There's holding your horses, you know, achieving some impulse control mm-hmm. and learning how to understand what fuels the impulses. And there is holding yourself dear enough to care enough, mm-hmm. which, you know, you don't have to be in prison for to do time on, right? Mm-hmm. And and so it's uh, really interesting to understand how we hold thoughts and emotions in our bodies and see how that uh, reflects in the predicament of being imprisoned, both literally, as in the, in my case when I worked with life sentence prisoners, as, as, um, as uh, metaphorically in terms of, you know, looking at prison as that place between your ears. So, so there's a you know it, it may start off sounding what esoteric, but but it becomes practical really quickly. It, it's fascinating. I'm trying to try to get around a couple of corners here with what you said, Jacques. Which, you know, you talked a little bit about um, you know the noticing the inspiration and the expiration, the movement in and the movement out, and when that movement is moving, there's flow. Right. That's that's the word I'd want to use. And so holding myself dear to myself is to allowing the flow of the in and the out. Yeah, nicely. Where, where the body gets pent up in terms of that is how we hold our breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we do hold our breath, either in not breathing or in holding ourselves really tightly so breath can't really move, that's an accumulation of kinetic energy that has to get expressed. And so what you're speaking to about you know in and out and learning how to hold yourself dear is allowing yourself to breathe allowing the breath to yes. flow yes yes mm-hmm. it's to it's to receive your your god-given heritage right it's it's like you are alive and and you may breathe <laughs> that's right right and it also yeah. um, and i like to i like you may breathe great Jaren. Uh, I was just going to say it also puts you into the flow of change, which changes with every breath. You know, our existence changes with every breath. Every breath is different. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, every breath is different, and I was talking to Jacques earlier, was we also, there's also the uh, the amazing awe and sacredness of the fact that we don't really know if we're going to get another breath after the last one. Right. 
And so the the breath, every breath itself, is an is an instrument of change. To oh my God, this is another moment of my life that is being created because spirit is entering back in, and I'm getting another chance for another breath cycle. Mm-hmm. And when I breathe out, everything that has happened in this particular breath is taken with it, and I will breathe again or I will not. And so there's this value on the ever-changing reality of moment-to-moment. And then the finding, fine, finite details or the exquisite details of a breath and a breath in and out is every nanosecond of that breath is producing change. Breath is not something that just comes in as, as a lump and leaves as a lump. It's a flow in and out. And all of that is imbe- change is embedded in every moment of that flow. Mm-hmm. I feel the calmness of all of our breath as we've been... Um relaxing into this conversation um, and finding connection through our breath. I actually feel it literally happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, it, you know, the, the more you rest in the ground of your being that way, th- there's the possibility for that experience of, no, there's no bringing awareness to, you know, on, on a very profound level, I am that awareness. Mm-hmm. I, I am that awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and it, awareness is where the silence lives. Yeah. And that's never changing. That's never changing, no. Mm-hmm. Again, please. Yeah, so I'm going to ask the question again in terms of change, in terms of people that are trying to make change. You know, the, the importance mm-hmm. of awareness of, you know, what is the change that I need to make or what is this change that is going on around me that I have to adapt to? How do we use awareness? How do we use breath to to um, to find those awarenesses and those adaptations to want to change the need for change? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that fits well with what we just spoke of. You know, of of that experience of feeling connected, right? Because you know, a crime is an expression of, of not feeling connected. So there is that on a, on the level of, of the personal, uh, you know, having practices. Like we have a practice that's called sitting in the fire, mm-hmm. which basically teaches, uh, teaches the student to begin to face uh, previously overwhelming sensations and emotions mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, be less in the driver's seat and begin to be integrated uh, and turned from a reaction into a response. You know, it's, I always tell them it's, it's not like you'll get rid of whatever pain you're suffering uh, on, a, on a deep level, but you create a relationship with it that allows you to, you know, have more space and, and more choice in how you respond to it. And so uh, sitting in the fire is, is uh, burning clean and leaving ashes by going in through and out of an experience. We, we speak about there's like four strategies that you can run, you can hide, you can fight, or you can face. And this one's about facing. It's about learning how to befriend what you thought was your curse as as a potential for blessing, right? Everything that's um, 
So rather than banishing what's not welcome, you bring it home to unite with your life, and it's it's you know often some experience of shame about how you've hurt other people. Um, and oddly enough, uh, going to it and allowing it to be felt, which which happens in small doses, you know, you bite off what you can chew and you, you can come back and we do it together. Uh, so so connecting with that pain and, and disclosing it as well begins to create relationship. You know, you, when you externalize it, the, the demons don't just party on the inside. And it becomes a way for people to uh, to connect to uh, what drives them in a very different way, you know. And uh, I think it was Viktor Frankl who, who spoke about the last human freedom, you know, where they can take everything away from you. And in prison, that's pretty much the case, right? Mm-hmm. They tell you when to shower, when to eat, who to sleep with in, in your cell and, and all of that. So they can take everything away from you except one thing, which is your last human freedom, your ability to respond no matter what. You know, your choose to to respond in the way you choose. So, uh, good as that sounds, it takes some serious practice to deal with uh, the moments that trigger us that are related to, you know, trauma. So, we find that this... Uh, this meditation practice of sitting in the fire is a useful tool for us to bring awareness to what seemed previously uh, impossible to feel. You know, really like I'm, I feel like I'm dying if I'm going to feel that. Yeah. Not just metaphorically, but, you know, that's the actual feeling of it. So Beautiful. that's a powerful tool for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Beautifully so, expressed, Jock. Thank yeah. you. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think, Jock? When when that happens, isn't isn't the the stillness is what shows up behind that, so that there's then becomes the safety of knowing that if when I do face all of that and the integration happens, then there is the stillness. Yeah. No. It, 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 it is very much the case because. Mm-hmm. And Sharon, you know, I think that's. Go ahead, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no I, go ahead. I think, you know, for me, as I as I keep practicing, as I get older and feel that stillness more, even though there's a lot of change, there's also the stillness, and that's what's the comfort. Yeah. Yeah, resting in the ground of your being, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and, and developing, well, first of all, just a tolerance for sensation, for any sensation at all but certainly for the sensations that are uncomfortable, the yeah. sensations of pain and of shame and the ones that make us, you know, that get hot in our chest and come up to our, you know, throat and make us feel like we're going to die if, we're, if we stay in this sensation in another moment. In the program, we call it an attitude of amor fati, you know, learning how to love your fate, as in F-A-F-A-T-E. Uh, you know, that that your power comes from dealing with what's in front of you, despite whether you like what's in front of you or not. Mm-hmm. But learning to show up and saying, yes, this too shall be felt, you know, this too shall pass through me. And uh, 
and and then there's a gift, right? At some point, that is very kind of surprising because it all seems kind of gloomy. But but then you're rewarded with you're sort of visited with some deeper comfort or some deeper experience of peace or stillness behind that whole phenomena that that you didn't may not have known even existed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful way yeah, to end beautiful. our conversation for now. I hope we'll have more of these conversations mm-hmm. or continue this conversation on and on. It's just incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable to think about, um, well, to think about ourselves in this way, right, and what our capacities really are. Um, so before we end the call, I would like each of you, if you would, to tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out more about you. So Jacques, why don't you start? Okay, we have a website. That's probably the best way to do it, which is www.insight, as in ghdinsight-org. Uh, Insight, no. Let me, let no, me let's start again. again. <laughs> Insightout.org. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Insightout.org. Right. Correct. Mm. So do you want me to do it again? or? No, I think we got it. <laughs> Insightout.org you got is, it. is okay. where people can find you and um, find out more about what you do okay. in your organization, right? And Robert? Yes, correct. Breathablebody.com. Great. I think we've gotten so um, we've gotten so slow in our breathing here that we can't even hear one another. <laughs> Great. Um, well, there's a delay. You hear you hear us a, a moment later than we hear each other. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, I want to thank you both so much. It's been a fascinating conversation, um, and uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks okay. for bringing us together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you, Robert. Yeah, you as well, Jacques. Thank you. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about seeding change in the world. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about Changeability, the book, and about all of the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Whether creating something new or responding to a changing world, navigating change is the new stability.